You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast, and tonight we're talking about David Cronenberg's Rabid. You have no trouble. Me, Fifth Element. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death, praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. Headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. What do you mean, biblical? What he means is Old Testament. Yeah, Mayor. Real wrath of God type stuff. Dead fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes, the dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. That's hysteria. Welcome to the podcast. We're your host. I am Brian Elkins. With me here tonight, Mr. Chris O'Brien. Hello there. Long time no see. No, you were on the uh, the Scanners episode, episode one nineteen, I believe. That's right. So you're uh, you're joining us here to talk a little bit more uh, more Cronenberg, more body horror. <laughs> we're just gluttons for Cronenberg. Yeah. <laughs> this is a continuation of our uh, apocalyptic August. Now you know that is one question. I you know let let's just go ahead and just you know spoiler warnings, straight out of the gate. Do you consider this an apocalyptic film? It, th- does it end? Yeah, that? it certainly does. Yeah, I, I would say uh, it's implied. I would say almost a global apocalypse in the making. Do you think it's a global apocalypse? Because it kind of seems like they do make a cure, or not a cure. What do they call? It? They call it a vaccine, right? Which you never see anyone really get. Well, no, no. Then the main character, the guy that looks like uh, Christopher uh, Walken's uh, twin. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for that to come up. Uh, I was one of my first and only real observations about the guy is that he's very uh, Walken-esque. He has none of his charisma or charm. He's not as certainly not as tall as him either. Yeah, no. The the the, the acting's a little a little rough in this film. Yeah, I well, <laughs> I don't want to be mean because apparently he's still a like, working actor and does have quite a few credits. I mean, Cronenberg points out his commentary, but uh, <laughs> my note in the initial viewing of the film was that he was a terrible actor. <laughs> well, it's, it's that end moment where it's supposed to be this big, this big, big, you know, like climactic emotional swell, and he's just like screaming at the phone, "No, no!" Mm-hmm. It's uh. <laughs> It's very over the top, very cheesy. Yeah, well, that's not the only part, but um, <laughs> and I will. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess they, they, he gets put in this quarantine at, at one point. And he and the other guy it's with him. You know, okay, that's another thing. Uh, I have a lot of questions in this movie because this is just kind of this is kind of a sloppy, a sloppy film. You know, just like how it's told. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm starting to wonder if that's just with all these. Like we were having the same uh, issue with scanners. 
You know, I I don't know. Like like scanners, I feel like on that one at least the the production was so troubled and so put together at the last minute. You gave them that one. You're like, you know, I can see how that happened. That's your excuse for that mm-hmm. one. But this one, I mean, they had I've, Ivan Reitman was the damn producer on this film. Yeah. And so it's not like they didn't have anybody. Yeah, but I mean, he was still pretty early in his own career, too. Yeah, it is true. It's just like, it, it's just like a Christopher Walken, uh, <laughs> evil Christopher Walken twin. His buddy in the film, the older guy, like, mm-hmm. I don't understand their friendship at all, like. Were they friends before he had a motorcycle accident? Uh, apparently not. Yeah, no, I um, because I, I kind of for the first time I saw it, I, I yeah, I kind of just thought he was some dude he already knew. Seems like I just think that guy was just a much better actor and just able to play, uh, you know, a fake friendship much better than the other guy. But uh, no, what it's supposed to be is apparently during this month that she's in his coma, walking uh, twin has been visiting the clinic, you know, and I guess he's bumped into this guy who seems like he's on the board of the place or whatever. Because he's the guy that gives him a ride uh, initially when uh, the, the motorcycle is busted up or, you know, takes him back to town or wherever he lives. Yeah. And then, like, so, the next uh, time you see him together, like, he's calling him at, like, a ridiculous, like, 2 a.m. in the morning or something. <laughs> it's like, man, you guys really bonded over that car ride. Yeah, well, there was no Uber in 1976. Uh, <laughs> apparently, the motorcycle was his only ride. They had no car, that couple. I did think it was creepy, though, the way... Um, uh, what, uh, what is Christopher Walken's uh, doppelganger's name? Frank Moore. There we go. Wait, give this guy right, an actual the movie name. Is Park Reed. I did notice they they cut to it like maybe two times in the movie, but <laughs> they're just riding in the car together, and he's just oh, yeah, straight he's up looking at, the at guy, him. Though, the driver though. He's, <laughs> he's just like looking him up and down. It is so weird and awkward. Well, I, yeah, I did the third or fourth viewing that became you know more apparent. I wonder if maybe he's supposed to because he, he's supposed to have like a fucked up shoulder. You know, they do mention these these, these numerous injuries he's had, and I just thought maybe he sit that way because of his injuries. And dude, you got me. It was it, it did stand out. But yeah, though. he's staring at the driver intently, and there's like these cups of coffee, which seems dangerous too. Like they could just fall, and, you know, spill in their balls or whatever. But uh, he's staring at the driver the whole time and not talking to him. But it's it's pretty strange. Cronenberg has got some weird blocking choices, and there's yeah, there's just some story beats like that. And you know, and some of them, I don't know if it's his fault or if it's just like the acting. Like even Meryl Cham- Chambers. Uh, her character, I don't, I don't get her in this movie. I don't understand if she, I don't understand what her character's really aware of. That's what I, that was the question I was going to bring up too. Obviously, she's she's aware that she's feeding on people. Mm-hmm. But and she, she should be aware that it's fatal too. But it's not fatal though. Well, like, well you know, but more or less. I mean, it's, you know, it's. Uh... Well, I, well, I guess the the one girl that got uh, that got killed and. And she stuffed her in the her dead body in the refrigerator. I guess well, she knew she killed her. Is, is, did she or did the cops? What do you mean, did the cops? I don't know. I thought I, you know, when I first saw that, I thought maybe they, the cops just put her on ice just to preserve the body or whatever. <laughs> they found her in the spa and they were like, "Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> Let's go throw well, her in the refrigerator." It's the, that, it's the cop that shows. It's the cop that brings her down there and shows her in the freezer. So I get, even the um, that film historian guy that is a commentary, he has questions about that. I, I so when I first saw, I just assumed that that was just a, some sort of a, 
say forensic technique or, putting, <laughs> or you know putting a body in the morgue or whatever or less, you know, yeah. hey jimmy put her on you ice Rose dragged her ass out of that spa or out of that hot tub all the way down to the freezer or is that what's supposed to happen i think that's what's supposed to happen i don't know the, the uh, cop does bring him down there all nonchalant mm-hmm. he's like hey uh hey look uh i'm christopher walken's uh, uh stunt double and uh let me tell you i'm looking for my girlfriend rose well we have this uh, uh looking for a girl. girl we got one girl in the building let me show it to you yeah <laughs> And he doesn't like prep her at all. Like, hey, uh, she's dead, and she's in the refrigerator. <laughs> like, this guy has got the worst people skills. Yeah. Oh man, it's ridiculous. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that one's supposed to be a joke or not. I mean, Cronenberg does have a sense of humor. Uh, I, I don't know. I but I don't know what the intent really is with that. I think it's just a good. They had the makeup. That was a good. Uh, you know, a good. Uh, I don't know, sort of, I guess, supposedly shocker moment. I mean, it was used as the poster and whatnot. Yeah, it is used. It's crazy, too, that they didn't use uh, uh, Marilyn Chambers on the poster. Mm -hmm. You know, it seems like that's why you get her. Yeah, the main selling point of the thing, yeah. Yeah, right? And then they they sell that image. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a good image. Don't get me wrong. Well, I remember this uh, video story to get stuff out of as a kid. You know, I'd seen uh, Shivers, or they came from within with the title I read it under, but... uh, they had Rabbit. It was this old grungy uh, clamshell VHS. <laughs> Not only was that the cover image, that, that frozen woman, but this was the kind of place. Some of them, you know, you had to bring the tape, just a box over the counter, and they had the tapes, you know, behind the desk. Or this was one where the tapes were, you know, all together. So I remember, like, no, it was that box just old and gross. But then I opened up, and the tape inside was real grungy. And I was like, yeah, that's the reason I never saw it uh, years ago. I just looked at the tape, looked like it was going to be my VCR rabies. So I was like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, excuse me, sir, uh, your VHS tape, it may have an STD. <laughs> it definitely would have busted some heads. I don't know. It just didn't look... Uh... <laughs> and like I said, that cover was my was pretty off-putting. I mean... Well, you know, it had Marilyn Chambers in it, so who knows what that VHS tape saw. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so what do you what do you think? Do you think Marilyn Chambers, do you think uh, that's bad acting or things left out in the story? Just, just in her awareness... All together, like when she was going out to hunt, I didn't, I didn't really know if she was like in a spell. This hunger, desire for blood, just kind of over overtakes her, mm-hmm. or if she knows exactly what she's doing. I don't know, man. It's hard to read. It seems to vary. Yeah, <laughs> it seems to vary throughout the thing. Yeah, it's very bizarre. That's what I wrote in my notes here. Does she consciously choose her victims? If so, it's dumb for her to kill Doctor Kelly, the one person who could potentially help her. I guess she didn't know that though at the time, right? Because she just wakes up in that hospital. He's not the first guy, though. The first guy is like another patient in the place. Yeah, but he didn't tell her shit either. <laughs> He's like, hey, hey. Uh, no, but he, he does see that there's this bizarre uh, orifice <laughs> under her armpit. I mean, he, he at least, before he gets uh, uh, bitten or whatever you want to say, uh, he at least sees this, uh, something mighty wrong here. You know? <laughs> oh, I think I've been stabbed. Yes, you have. Although you're, you're talking about, what are you talking about, the first guy? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like he didn't, he didn't say anything at all. He just, you know, he he gets a uh, a topless hug from her, and he's just like, mm-hmm. oh, this is not appropriate. Oh, <laughs> then he was like, why isn't she covered up a little better than this? But I guess if I was like, the Claver Hall, uh, you know, torso of breath, everything had been uh, operated on or been re uh, reconstructed or whatever. I swear, I was like, <laughs> I the viewing this. She asked me, I was like, did he really? Is there a line where the doctor says her breasts are coming in amazingly? 
Wait, what? I think he says her graphs are coming. Oh, yes, he does say her graphs. Oh, my God. That would be hilarious. I thought it was breath, though. Did, did you? Or... No. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hysterical. I was to say, naked gun type of line here. But... It's like, wow. Uh, this this movie took a, a different kind of t- exploitation turn. Wow, <laughs> wow. Although, did, did, we, did we say Marilyn Chambers was a, was a porn star? I don't. Did we say that? I don't even think it really needs to be said, but maybe it does for a younger generation. Well, I, I didn't know that. I, I just know her from this film. I have never seen her in anything else at all. You must not have watched Cinemax in the 1990s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she did, uh, I thought she did, like, actual, like, pornographical films. She did, but then later I think she somehow, like, uh, segued into uh, softcore or, like, it's the host. <laughs> hold, hold on, wait a minute, you're saying she retired to fucking Skinamax? Uh. Oh, man, that's kind of sad. No, yeah, I, I. Well, I mean, you know, I did, I did for my sins listen to that uh, second commentary, which <laughs> before we started, I looked at the box again. I was like, wait, that thing's not even listed on the box. Like, no wonder. It was like, uh, it was almost like, like a, a, a board of podcasts or something. It was just this guy and this girl that write or research uh, adult films or something, talk to each other. It just abruptly ends like halfway through the movie. But from what they were saying in that was that she only, she only did a limited amount of uh, adult films, and it would be sometimes, I guess, like years in between them. So she wasn't like... You know, cranking them out like Jenna Jameson or whatever. Huh. All right. And she was trying, apparently, fairly sincerely uh, to, you know, cross over to mainstream, you know, with this and I guess other abortive efforts and, uh, you know, nothing came to pass. Yeah, I was uh, I was watching something where Cronenberg said she was uh, she was a model for some kind of like hand soap or something. No, she was the ivory soap girl. So in other words, it was like a, a box of her holding this baby, and so she was it was distributed nationally, you know, in stores. And then uh, shortly thereafter, she was in the, the original uh, porn film, Behind the Green Door, or whatever. So they yanked that box from the shelves immediately. Wait, wait, hold. But supposedly it shows up as a prop in a lot of her films. I don't know. The name of the porn she was in was Behind the Green Door. Uh-huh. That's a terrible fucking porn title. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, that behind the green door. What? Yeah, oh my! Yeah. And the dudes who made it later uh, were involved in some sort of a bizarre uh, homicide and or crime as well. It, they made it some kind of a, <laughs> a movie where Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen played the brothers. Uh, some made-for-cable movie about them. Wait, yeah, good old Marilyn Chambers. Also, uh, apparently, when the, when the uh, walking guy is. Uh, tooling around with his motorcycle and he misses her phone call that, that's her singing that terrible song uh, over the radio oh yes and I found it and we're, def- we're gonna close out the show with that Dude, I could know. Like, she's literally, it sounds like she's having an orgasm in the middle of the fucking song. It's priceless. Maybe she was. Who knows what was going on in the recording booth? Yeah. (laughs) We'll make a song aimed to a porno. Look, it's two for one, baby. Come on. Two birds, one stone. Now, let me ask, uh, what do you think of the score of this movie? It's actually not that bad. But then I went back and looked at, uh, it's just all fucking repurposed shit from a music library. Yeah, it's like a needle drop from the library, I guess. Yeah, it's all pre-existing uh, stuff. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that either even when I first watched it, but uh, it Howard Shore, it ain't, of course. And, uh, oh, watching no. the movie uh, four times in the space of two days, I'll, I'll tell you that, that, that the music was haunting my dreams. Uh, 
<laughs> that repetitive, uh, like the one where it's just like ding, ding, or whatever. Yeah, I, 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 what I, I thought if you were going to sample Eddie the Side, you would leave, maybe use that piano part, but not that the main thing just sounds like uh, I, the words. It was funny because the words I had written, it's the same things I, uh, that the guy, the uh, historian guy said was melancholic and wistful. Uh, <laughs> the main theme, I don't know what the heck it was. Some, it almost sounds like it's out of like a, a romance uh, movie or, uh, you know. The Boy in the Plastic Bubble, some kind of tragic TV movie or something. The main theme. Yeah, you know what the it's that piece they play during the op- uh, the closing credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the opening and closing. I think it's the same song. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, it's worth it out. You know, I didn't I didn't notice it that much in the be- beginning because it was just like, all right, well, you know, it's a motorcycle. You know, we're... yeah, you got shit going on during that, but yeah, just frozen over those credits. Yeah, it's kind of more noticeable. Yeah, and they're like they're dumping out like Marilyn Chambers, like they're putting her body into a trash compactor. Uh, <laughs> it's not fitting yet. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's just like this. Just, it sounds like fucking seventies porn music starts playing. It's like, uh, <laughs> guys, the uh, the hope of humanity may. Maybe getting crushed in a, in a compactor. No, nobody's like mm-hmm. having sex here. Calm down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, by the off. next movie or the next uh, horror film he did, you know, had Howard Shore. That's right. What's the next? The uh, he, he did fat. He did Fast Company next, right? And then he did the Brood. Right. Yeah. But I'm saying the next horror thing, I guess, was the Brood. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that is really good. Hey. Well, that's a uh, you know quantum leap forward uh, as far as casting and everything else. Watching this made me realize how much. <laughs> much more better and more awesome Scanners is <laughs> than, than this movie. Just having just a, a couple more films under his belt, just having that confidence level and visual storytelling. Yeah, well, he talks about it in the commentary, too. I mean, I don't know that he didn't realize he couldn't move the camera, but he was very limited in his camera movements for shivers, and uh, he was still learning a lot of basic stuff, apparently, even while making this. Oh yeah, this this camera really doesn't move much at all in this movie. I mean, there's uh, some like there's some pans. I think I counted like mm-hmm. three tilts or four. Um, there's not too many dolly moves. I don't. Th- I didn't think I yeah, even saw I, I one. Yeah, I thought there was more handheld in it when I first saw it. But you know, like when they pull up at the clinic and stuff. But yeah, I mean, even he points out that static shot of the, the motorcycle burning in the field. You know, it's just this wide shot and it kind of holds forever. You know, he was even saying you know nowadays he would cut that a lot quicker. Oh yeah, well, man, what the fuck was up with that? Uh, the the clinic, the plastic surgery retreats, green ambulance. <laughs> Is that just something from fucking Canada? But that that was tripping me out. Like I didn't I didn't even understand that that was an ambulance until he actually gets on the phone with a guy and he's like, "Yeah, hey, I'll meet you right down by the ambulance." And then he gets in that, and I'm like, "Oh, that is an ambulance, but it's it's puke green." Uh huh. <laughs> it was the 70s. Everyone's carpet was puke green. I guess, I yeah. I don't. I've just never seen an ambulance look that. It's just bizarre. Weird choices, man. I didn't know if that was a. Go to my parents' house when I was a little kid. But the carpet was puke green. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, the Cowboy Clinic is conveniently in the vicinity of this motorcycle accident. This movie could take place at a, at a, any like in a at a hospital, you know, um, where they could just like she gets into a car accident and they could literally rush her to a hospital and. I, I want to think that Cronenberg is picking plastic surgeons specifically to say something about them. Like he goes out of his way to to set up this uh, plastic surgery retreat that all these uh, patients are going to. I mean, is he just saying plastic surgery is the devil? It's bad. Don't do it. I don't know. I mean, is that, is that his attitude toward all science? I don't know. I mean, um, 
he talks about it, that he thought of or had plans to become a biochemist at one point. And, uh, you know, the gist of this is that this calloid is experimenting with these uh, neutral field graphs, which Cronenberg uh, points out something akin to uh, stem cells. You know, he seems somewhat proud of having anticipated that. <laughs> yes, he did. He seemed very proud in that audio commentary. <laughs> but I've seen another interview with him, too, where he kind of feels like we're meant to uh, just fuck around with everything. We're, we're meant to... Uh, split the atom and, you know, re- reconfigure our bodies and, you know, just keep messing with science and, you know, that there's no limit to, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't feel like there's things, you know, man was not meant to do or, you know, that God did not intend or whatever, you know, he, he feels that we, we are meant to, uh, you know, change the human condition or keep, you know, pursuing all these uh, scientific endeavors. I wonder why this movie's got such a pessimistic, uh, pessimistic out- outcome then. You know, because, I mean, like, like scanners, you have that same... I guess certain themes, it's more like tech versus organic, you know, like combining those yeah. two different things into one. But I mean, you know, th- this is, I mean, stem, it is still stem cells and he is obviously putting plastic surgery in here and it is very bad in this movie. <laughs> like well, nothing good comes from anything. You know, there's the comment where the uh, Kelly says he doesn't want to become the Colonel Sanders of plastic surgery. Maybe he was trying to make a statement about, you know, and then there's a girl who, Oh, Daddy sent me here again. His, the nose still isn't right. Or maybe he was just trying to make a uh, statement about you know vanity plastic surgery or unnecessary plastic surgery. Yeah, I can see that. It, it's just really bizarre the way he sets up her her story to where she didn't even get to to choose to have the surgery. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and well, it, she would die in half an hour or something. <laughs> this this wasn't connected. But. Right. She's going to, like, if they don't go operate her on this plastic surgery clinic, she, there's no way she can make it to the, I forget what the hospital they kept calling it, the, the general. Right, right. Oh, and then it's even more cockamamie. I, I mean, I, I listen, that was part of why I wanted to look up the script was uh, they're like, we're going to freeze this tissue and then we're going to send it off to some other place and then they're going to give it back to us. And what? And then I look at the script, there's more about this other place and something that starts with an S. And then one month later, they were like, yep, just yeah, cut all that shit out. Yeah. The graft tissue will be frozen and sent to the Sperling Institute. We'll have to keep this patient in operation-ready state until it comes back to us. That's going to be a bit trying for all of us, but it can't be helped. The scene where the doctor is just dropping scientific exposition is absolutely terrible. I think it's probably the worst thing Cronenberg ever shot. Well, I mean, there's very little. It's, there's a little bit when he's, they're scrubbing up before the operation. And there's some when he has a uh, uh, heart or a you know, walking guy in the office. There's a very brief exchange between them and then only like the third view is oh wait he does say something about the intestines there like it's just a throwaway line yeah but i mean like <laughs> i don't know it's just that exposition scene where he's in the or and he's like hey doctors everybody that's obviously probably already done this procedure before i'm gonna tell you what we're doing all oh, right yeah, yeah. And it's just like uh i don't know it's just it's poorly staged i didn't i didn't yeah no i'm looking at it. yeah that's even says that no i know everyone here is familiar with the standard <laughs> techniques of skin crafting <laughs> But what we're going to do is a little out of the ordinary. Yeah, it's got some issues, man. It's got some issues, you know? I do want to say, though, it's it's still a fun movie, and it's fun seeing the genesis of some Cronenberg ideas and some things yeah. he's going to do a lot better later. Yeah, it's a real stepping stone type movie. I mean, I don't know. It, it, it held up less, I'm sure for you, to the less with me, uh, the more times I was watching it. But, you know, the first time I, I only saw it the first time last year, and, you know, I didn't think it was too bad the first time I saw it. Yeah, yeah, you know, the first time you watch it, it is, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just when you kind of stop and think about it. 
All right, guys. We're going to take a break. We're going to play the trailer for David Cronenberg's Revit, and we'll be right back. Something's happened to Rose. as good a way of handling them as, as we have got. That was the trailer for David Cronenberg's 1977 zombie vampire film, something like that. <laughs> Rabid. Uh, what, what do you, what do you David, think this is? David Cronenberg's 1977 David Cronenberg film. Because, yeah, what, God knows what it is. Is it, is it a vampire movie? Is it a zombie movie? What would you, what, which one, if you had to classify it? Zombie, it's a little vampire. more zombie ish. It's a little more zombie ish, although it does involve uh, you know, blood sucking. Yeah, it's weird. It's kind of like uh, the stuff that's going on with uh, Marilyn Chambers is like a vampire story, and then all their victims, it's like a, it's a, it's a zombie movie. Yeah, but what's weird is it, it, it is it does anticipate or is two, three years before Dawn of the Dead. So really, this is this the first you know zombie movie with the you know with uh, martial law and the zombies being shot down in the street? I mean, there's a little of that at the end of Night of the Living Dead, but it's not. Uh, it's not really military that you see. It's more just like a redneck farmers. Well, you also had um, what was that other? Uh, fuck, what's the, the other Romero movie? The crazies. The yeah, the crazies. Yeah, that one coming out, and that, that had the the town with the martial law, the people on the yeah, gas. Yeah, you masks. got the hazmat. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the hazmat suits. That's what they were. Wearing. Yeah, when it comes to the crazies, my memory is the fuzzies. Sorry. But... Yeah, I don't remember when that came out, but uh, sometime in the early seventies. It's something like seventy four or five. So sometime around okay, the same yeah. part, same time period. But yeah, it's so this is yeah this is maybe another uh, forgotten uh, building block in the zombie uh, mythos, I guess. The the maybe infected drunk case, but <laughs> the infected people though with the uh, the green goo coming out of their eyes and the blue saliva coming out of the mouth. Uh huh, and the eyes. <laughs> Not a fan of this. The, 
<laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's a little hokey. Yeah. Let, let's uh, let, let's go a little into this insane plot because we, we've talked about Marilyn Chambers' uh, character. She's she's in an accident, which is pretty cool. That's a pretty cool scene. I, I thought that was mm-hmm. all right. I mean, it's low budget. Yeah, you got the you got an explosion. Um, you know, he goes out of his way to show the. the manufacturer of the bike and then in the commentary explains it's this British brand I guess that was notoriously kind of uh, not a lemon but you know that was a notorious I guess for breaking down or having problems Cronenberg in this time in his life had like an obsession with like fast cars and motorcycles yes <laughs> him and George Lucas so the like geeky guys with the need for speed oh yeah that's <laughs> Cronenberg is like uh, yeah he's the Canadian answer to George Lucas <laughs> Yeah, so you guys just imagine him riding uh, alone at night from all the way from uh, uh, Toronto. He's got to go over into Quebec just to commute to make this movie. I did think it was weird that there were no logos in this film. How it just started? Yeah, yeah, it just it just immediately begins. Yeah, you're right. Well, I think we're. I mean, it's almost a relief compared to nowadays where you have to sit through 19 different uh, production company logos. Yeah, I always like one studio logo, though. You know, like I like the 20th Century Yeah, well, Fox, I mean, it was just that Canadian know, Development like that. Corporation, your Canadian film development. You know, that that that's one of the on-screen titles. So I guess they didn't have it. Maybe at that point they didn't even have an official logo. You know? Yeah, but didn't New World put this out? I mean, they yeah, have I, a... I was going to say, I gather, I gather at least in the U.S. it was uh, um, distributed by New World, which was then owned by Roger Corman. So you would think in the theater it would have had that logo. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not 100% sure... Uh, the elements that they use for this uh, the Scream Factory edition that that we saw. Yeah, it's it's a decent enough transfer. I guess it's not like you know absolutely stunning looking. It's weird that they actually uh, they put it in its proper aspect ratio, which is one six six to one. Mm-hmm. And did you notice they're they're black bars, pillar boxes on the left and the right side of the TV frame? Not on mine. I don't know. I might have, whatever setting I had my TV on, I might have had the thing to fit the screen or whatever. I didn't know. Oh, that that's. Oh, that, I have noticed what? that watching some old TV shows and seventy shows and stuff, you know, that are. Oh no! Yeah, it wasn't like four three or anything like that. I mean, yeah, it was, no, no, it no. Was, I didn't, I didn't really notice thin. that. Though. I didn't notice that on mine. Like I said, maybe I might have had the thing set to wide to fit or whatever. I'm, so they may have had like an actual, you know, an actual Canadian print that they restored. Yeah, I was going to say, I think these DVDs seem to be coming from, from the Canadian uh, elements. You know, they didn't use it. Like, if there was an American print that had that new world, you know, they didn't go with that. And I don't know. I mean, you, you, you I guess all was for me. I mean, you must have rented it on, like, VHS or something as a kid, right? Oh, no. No, no, man. I didn't see this until, uh, it's, I think it was when it popped up on, I forget who put out the, the DVD. But there was a special edition DVD. And I picked that up, and then you okay. know I picked it up when it came out in Scream Factory, of course, on Blu-ray. Yeah, you know, I just yeah, you know, I just assumed you had seen all the Cronenbergs back in the day. No, no, I I still don't know yeah, Shivers. I, I've known about that. Yeah, I've known about this one forever. I mean, it's even I dug it out earlier. It's in this book I got out of a, a Suncoast video as a kid. Uh, cult science fiction films. There's a, a chapter or whatever, an entry on Rabbit. Twenty-something years have known the story of the thing. And even to mention that, that it was kind of like almost a weird remake of Shivers or shared themes with it. I, I do think this is an important stepping stone in Cronenberg's uh, career because I, I do think he wanted to, to make a more commercial movie. And he was making this for – he was making it for commercial reasons. You know, this wasn't like to fulfill something. You know, I think he was just like, hey, look, Shivers made money. Here, I'll just make this 
more entertaining, a little bit more accessible. I'll drop the satire. Yeah. I think that's what he was trying to do. And then he was, I'm not sure that the timeline, or but he was interested in working for Roger Corman. Because they talked about, I guess, maybe before Shivers, like the early 70s or whatever, he did go down to L.A. And then he did meet with Corman and I think maybe show him some of the scripts he'd written and stuff. Yeah, dude. It, 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 uh, what was the, I forget what the original titles for Shiver was, but it was something that Roger Corman would have loved. Something like... Uh, it's not, oh yeah, the orgy of the parasites. Yeah, the, the blood side, yeah, the blood parasites or some shit like that. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. Uh, it had orgy in the title. The orgy of something. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it was the, or- the orgy of the blood parasites. Yeah. <laughs> Attack of the orgy of the blood parasites from outer space. Well, obviously not. It wasn't that. But, you know, whatever. Fuck. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Right. Oh, man. Uh, speaking of ridiculous. So Marilyn, Ch- Marilyn Chambers' character, she's in that motorcycle accident. And she gets pinned under the bike. She's more injured than the guy. Boyfriend. <laughs> Yeah, and she she's got to get she's got to get a procedure done, you know, like like you do. You got you got to get skin graft with your you know your stem celled, and uh, so when she wakes up, she has a uh, an asshole or an orifice of some kind. I don't know how you how would you describe what she has in her armpit? I don't really want to <laughs> a balloon knot of some kind. <laughs> it looks like she's got a butthole, dude. She's got somebody's butthole in her arm yeah. in her yeah. armpit. Yeah, yeah. And then there's this little. I mean, you know, you don't see what it is right away, but later in the movie, you find out that there's like a little, a little penis that comes out. Many have described a phallic object or emerges from this, uh, this uh, sphincter-like orifice. And then it shoots something out of the head, and it's not like a liquid, okay? He, he doesn't, he doesn't go that cr- crude, but it's like a, is it supposed to be bone? Yeah, I don't want to point you out, it's almost like a metal needle, uh, or like a metal, uh, claw or something on the end of it. Yeah, I didn't know what the. I mean, I call it a stinger for a lot of a better word. I mean, it's it's it looks metallic in the movie, but I don't know what they're mm-hmm. what they're trying to say that that is. I didn't really get that. That's the mouth, or you know, or <laughs> I guess, man. I'm gonna chalk it up to uh, like low budget, whatever. Well, you know, this show black, though, the... as far as I know, that he was American. So I know, even from what I was reading about uh, Videodrome, you know, there was this sequence at the end where he, there was some of these. Uh, <laughs> video drum sex organs or whatever they but they were like made in uh in la and then you shipped up to uh to toronto or you know where they're filming so it's like weren't even like made on site so maybe they just had to go with whatever again like whatever appliances or effects were made you know uh, uh not in-house you know what i mean that were done elsewhere so if this thing had this stinger on the end of it or whatever uh you know that's what they had to work with it, it seems like you could have used something else, uh, any any different material outside of metal. You know, yeah. metal is not something that's in the human it, body. It may just be, the, you know, a, a piece of, you know, painted plastic or something. It just looks metallic on camera, the way it had kind of glints or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I seem to, it's almost kind of like the knife uh, stabs in Psycho. I remember from seeing you last year, I remember there being more uh, inserts, you know, no pun intended, of that thing. Like even when she... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's the words. Uh, not uh, not sucks off the cow, but when she goes to uh, you know suck the cow's blood, I don't know why I thought it was more of like you saw the I didn't start a thing and maybe the cow's eye, you know, the cow's eye widened. I'm like, no, I think that's top secret. I'm remembering. But, uh, um, anyway, I ever thought I you know throughout the movie, I thought there were more like, shots of that of this effect. That would be awesome. I I, I would love that. I would imagine it would be uh, in the new version, but anyway. Yeah, the the uh, the cow seems pretty um, 
pretty chill. Oh yeah, there is a new. Um, I, since you brought that up, I guess we should say that they are doing a remake of Rabid. Yeah. Uh, it, it comes out this year. I think. It, yeah. yeah. I, I forget when it comes out. Uh, October seventh in the UK on DVD, and it's showing uh, at Fright Fest, which is a. Uh, What's that company? Arrow does all those awesome uh, DVDs and Blu-rays, mostly horror. They put on a uh, a, a film festival in the UK, and so it'll be showing there uh, on the on the twenty sixth of this month. So. London Fright Fest, August twenty sixth, twenty nineteen. There you go. I don't know when we're getting it though. We'll just have to wait. But in any case, we would you would think the uh, effects will be updated in this uh, new version. So anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, she's taken to uh, this Keloid clinic, this uh, bizarre uh, plastic surgery, cutting edge, no pun intended, uh, clinic. Cronenberg uh, is fond of his uh, secluded uh, hospitals and clinics and uh, vaguely, let's say, vaguely futuristic architecture. What you think this one's futuristic? Well, not. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, it's a little. I guess first time, I don't know. <laughs> it just looks 70s as shit to me, dude. I don't know if I'd call it futuristic. Inside, certainly, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, that the lobby. The lobby was all right. Yeah, okay. I, m- maybe it was. I don't know. Maybe I'm not giving the 70s uh, enough credit. <laughs> I don't know. The script really calls from what I've seen about uh, he wanted to have all, you know, really seem like a real luxury place, like a real amenity. He had all the amenities, and you could see why these patients would want to stay there, even for an extra, uh, you know, nose job or whatever. Just it's so comfortable there that they wouldn't want to leave. And I don't know if he was able to get all that on camera, production uh, design wise. But well, they they do. There's that one scene where the uh, hotty totty patient comes up after a girl's been like, you know, brought in on a stretcher with her face bleeding, like. Uh, yeah. Are, are they not going to like cover her up when they bring her in here? I mean, am I going to get a refund or something? And did you recognize that guy? No. Who was that? He is the star of Stereo and Crimes of the Future. Oh, yeah. All right. I can see it. Yeah, I I thought that was him on like the multiple multiple list viewing, and then I looked, and it, it is him. Yeah, dude. I'm I've been trying to block Stereo from my memory. <laughs> Oof, that was that was a hard sit, man. That is a really, yeah, really hard watch. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, did you, did you watch that documentary on the Shaw Factory, too? Oh, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Show. Okay. But anyways, then they showed the guy again and pointed at Ronald Melodzik or whatever his name is. You know, They don't say that he was in, in um, Rabbit, but, you know, seeing I, – again, I still haven't seen that Crimes of the Future, but even the footage of that, you know, I, again, the third or fourth damn time I'm watching this thing recently, I'm like, oh, hey, that's that guy, isn't it? And I looked it up, and it is. Yeah, the only one. It, it, I mean, it's a cameo at best. Yeah, the the only uh, actor that I that I noticed that he uses was that uh, Robert Silverman. He's yeah, the yeah, guy he, that's he, the patient he, in the hospital when yeah, the first he, victim's the getting ready to leave from, from the Brood and Scanners. Uh, he's in Scanners. Uh, I don't. Is he in the Brood? Who's he in the Brood? He's the guy that has the, the neck cancer or something, isn't he? The guy that's like uh, Oliver Reed or not Oliver Reed. Uh, the main guy, the father and husband, goes to visit this dude, and it's in another. He's another. He's supposed to be a patient of, of Oliver Reed's, and he's like, "Yeah, I've got this. Uh, these psychoplasmics that give me this massive uh, tumor on my neck." Or oh yeah, okay, yeah. No, I, I was remembering from uh, Exodus Dens, but yeah, I, he, that made okay. I need to go back and rewatch The Brood. I don't I remember his cameo. Either say so, yeah, no, right, so if that's the trick, that's the, the, this is so. Then this is four movies that Cronenberg that he's in. Uh, man, I bet she's. I bet she's in a, a. I bet she's in another one. 
Uh, yeah, I man, I wouldn't be surprised. Because uh, I, I haven't I, seen Crash in forever or in Butterfly. I can't tell you the last time I've seen those. Um, I guess the the uh, older friend guy that has this mysterious uh, budding friendship with uh, <laughs> Christopher Walken boyfriend is Ace. That guy was in Shivers as well. I don't remember him being in it, but. Oh, uh, the, yeah, the, the, I can like that guy, though. He was good. Oh, yeah, yeah no, I'm not wrong with his performance at all, but I'm saying that he that, that was in Shivers as well. Yeah, no, I can see why, though. I mean, I, he's, yeah, yeah. he's hands down. <laughs> he's the only one that, that looks like, yeah, he's the only one that looks like they're fucking trying in the movie, man. Sometimes there is one shot, man, where fucking Marilyn Chambers is, she's crying. I think it's when um, the doctor comes in and, and sees her. Yeah, and yeah. she kills the doctor. She's crying in her hands, and then he says something. She takes her 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 hands and she puts them down, and she's smiling in her face. And it's like, wait, you were, you were just crying a second ago. Are you, now you're smiling. And you, wait, you're supposed to. She's supposed to be upset. She's not supposed to be happy now. It's Let me like, remind uh, you that her background was in hardcore porn. I'm just saying, but... like, man, because you just like edit, edit, edit. Why did we not cut that out? Cut that out. Why you know say that why why would you use some of the takes of Stephen Lack and and Scanners? I guess you know well, lacking time and budget and you know, that may have been some of that may have been his best stuff, man. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, that you was a good take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's the stuff they kept. What got cut? That's ooh. That that's the truth. So the rest of the movie, Rose is uh, Marilyn Chambers' character. Her name's Rose. After her operation, she ends up pretty much like escaping, getting out, and uh, infecting everyone, and turning this into a zombie film. There's a, it's, it's almost like a montage of two days where she goes out on the hunt, infects people, and then we see what happens to them. That how ha- that also happens for a second night. It gets it gets a little repetitive in the movie right here. But I, I mean, I guess you need it. To, I don't know. Do you need this to make the story seem bigger? To seem like it's like the virus is spreading more, or is there are they just padding runtime here? I don't know. I, I find even <laughs> having seen it multiple times, I, I get the order of these attacks. Uh, I, I can't keep them in order in my mind. I mean, the first one is the guy that comes in when she wakes up screaming from the coma. Then there's the cow. <laughs> I, I believe she goes straight from a dude to the cow. <laughs> well, there's wrong, some, right or wrong? I can help you out here. Really. Again, there's like some random, sh- some random dude, some random drunk farmer. Like, well, no, no. Obviously, so she, all right, so she sucks the blood of this guy that goes to help her out in the in the clinic. Then she leaves the clinic, is wandering around in the cold at night, and then Muncher in <laughs> Quebec province and stumbles upon this farm. Which, Gotta be, you know, cold as shit outside. Goes inside this barn. I guess then, then it becomes the whole question: Is she conscious of these attacks and what she's doing? And I guess she doesn't want to uh, do this to people, so she tries it out on a cow, and then immediately pukes. And then this, yeah, this uh, crazed, drunken uh, uh, farmer bursts in there. On her. Yeah, just out of fucking nowhere. Like, is this his barn? I have no idea. I would assume so. He seems like. <laughs> I mean, you would assume so, but like he shows up in a town at some lunch store, like I don't know how many miles down the street outside of Montreal. Later, it's mm-hmm. bizarre, dude. It just and makes so, no wherever sense. It is, it's on, <laughs> wherever it is, it's on the way to the Kelloid Clinic because the other two dudes passed the scene of the crime on the way. Yeah, he's just like, man, I smell the opportunity to do some raping. 
You know, it's like I think he was going in there to rape the cows, and he's just like, "Oh, hey, look, here's yeah, what a surprise this is." <laughs> <Red old Bessie. laughs> yeah. So, you know, this guy's a creep, and you know, the, the, some of the victims are deserving, and some of them aren't. Uh, of this, you know, there's no judgment from Cronenberg. I don't know. I, I feel like all our victims do seem kind of. They're no, they're they're all kind of skeezy, dude. They all kind of like have it have it coming, really. Oh uh, well. Like even not the doctor, the, like fuck the doctor, not dude. The, not the hot tub girl and not the best friend. Uh, okay, that's true. Hot tub girl definitely did not deserve the to die. The two female victims, but uh, yeah, the porn theater guy. Uh, I mean, he, he was a sleaze, and uh, you assume the guy at the very end is uh, trying to pick her up too. Uh, the guy that oh, the guy that just randomly uh, gets attacked in the mall. No, no, no. The the uh, the experiment guy at the end. You know, the one that she she picks up in the lobby. The the. the apartment building oh oh okay we'll get to that because I have, I have a question about the logic of that scene too but anyhow so she she's has this insatiable need for blood uh because she we're not really told has hardly any of your intestines left and can only break down simple uh proteins okay hold up but that that's something we got from listening to the audio commentary that's not in the fucking there's movie. a throwaway line about her intestines like i said when when uh her boyfriend who resembles a short christopher walken let's remind everyone again it's talking to Dr. Kelly, the, the the guy that runs the place. There's some throwaway line about uh, about her intestines, you know, being uh, being compromised or whatever. Yeah, yeah, uh, something about her intestines being compromised. What I'm saying is, is like that entire beginning where they're doing all that scientific mumbo jumbo uh, explanation. Like, really, all they had to say was, "Hey, man, her stomach's fucked up. She can't eat anymore. We're gonna do this experimental screen graft to make it where she can eat." Boom. Yeah, yeah. That's how that's all that motherfucker needed to say. Instead, he was so fucking obsessed with this damn skin being sent off to this fucking lab. Yeah, and I guess it's more visual to show that they show that cutting thing and show showing her uh, you know, they're, they're peeling the skin from her thigh. Yeah, it's just really I don't know, man. It's bizarre. It, yeah, and it is rushed. I don't know, but like I said, I don't know if some of this some more of this dialogue was shot and edited out or what because like I said a lot of it is a real mouthful for an actor. It still doesn't make any sense, like, if something's wrong with your intestines, like, why do you have an anus with a penis coming out of it in your armpit? Well, it's supposed to be at some wild, you know, that these stem cells could uh, morph into anything or could, uh, you know, they could, when he's taking the skin from, like, her leg and neutralizing it somehow, so then wherever he reattaches it to her upper, you know, half, it's supposedly going to grow back his breast and intestine and whatever, but instead it's had this horrible mutation, no, look, Chris. Look, I, dude, I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I get that, but what I'm, what I'm saying is, is your intestines already connected to your mouth, which is already a hole, you know, where you already have some teeth, right? So yes, yeah. I don't know, man. It just seems weird. Armpit, penis. I don't know. Well, need I remind you? Cronenberg <laughs> also made a movie where James Woods develops a vagina in his chest that he sticks a gun inside and pulls out VHS cassettes. I mean, uh, that's guy's right. Got some sexual uh, hangups, and I think that's that's your answer. That's the reason why. Because it's David Cronenberg, and he, he's uh, got to uh, think about that kind of thing. The only reason I didn't call this in an armpit vagina was because Cronenberg makes sure to put the, the vagina on James Woods. Oh, it's both. It's a hermaphroditic uh, organ. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, I, I, I can guess buy, it is. I can buy that this this uh, <laughs> that this vag dong grows in her armpit, okay, from this experimental surgery that goes awry. I can buy that, but like I said, where I I think you're heaping too much into it is that it somehow they don't ever say that it's a virus, or they don't really say that it's it's something from like the the protein in its saliva. Or there's no real uh, no. They, 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 they say it's a virus. For, 
I guess. Yeah, and that doctor <laughs> on the TV says it, it spreads through the saliva. Um, and they even say on the TV, like, they're looking – well, they're aware that there is a patient it zero. It may be related to the rabies virus. I see that. That's one. The word virus occurs one time in the script according to the search. I just did. There's a doctor in one scene that has taken somebody's blood – and his wound won't close, remember? And they're like, oh, well, you know, get some valves uh, and we'll send it off to some lab somewhere. Yeah, that's that Sperling clinic. I think that's the first guy, the, the, the first victim. Oh, yeah, while yeah, okay. At, while he's still at the Kelloid Clinic. And guy's one hairy bastard, too, I might add. Hey, man, that's uh, that's when men were men. <laughs> they're like, I'm like, not shaving I'm not bothered by chest. these blood and gore effects. I'm more bothered by this amount of body hair on this show. Ooh. In any case, uh, uh, Chris, really... this is where you're like, ooh, this is the body horror. <laughs> Somebody horror. give that man a razor. Anyway. <laughs> you have never heard of shaving gel? Back something of a pot summary. <laughs> shaving butter, please use it. Oh. So Marilyn Chambers uh, uh, can't handle this cow blood, so she... Uh, 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 wait, are we still talking about this cow blood, bro? No, we're, I'm trying to get past the farmer that she affects, and then, then, you know, for whatever reason, goes back to the clinic. She's already left and could go on a rampage, you know, throughout Montreal at this point, but no, she goes back to the clinic, which is, I guess, what you're saying, like, it's, these scenes seem repetitive or, or, or drawn out. I guess my problem is, is that nothing really big happens. It's just the same exact stuff happens the second mm-hmm. night. Um, and then, like right after that, the the military kind of comes into town, and that I mean that's pretty cool. It, it's you can tell they spent some money on that, at least for t- two scenes. Yeah, there's like a bunch of trucks. I mean, you you can see they they bought at least or rented five trucks and put some guys in some really I wouldn't call them hazmat suits, but some scrubs with some plastic face mask on. Well, he talks about, you know, even with the cop cars, he was, you know, he only had like one or two or whatever, and would shoot them from every angle and try to make it look like there's, you know, shooting from both sides and stuff and trying to make it look like there's more there than really is. And I'm sure it was the same deal with whatever tanks and military stuff they had. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, uh, what were they? They, they, they rolled in the uh, the dump trucks. Or not the dump trucks. Yeah. I guess they're garbage trucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're like compact, like you said, they're trash compactors. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think that. That was that was cool and that was a nice escalation and um, even bringing the um, the news reports on the TV. I thought that was a nice way to like make it feel bigger. I mean, it's kind of yeah, a callback to Living Dead. Yeah, that relates a lot of the uh, information too. Yeah. The only the only thing you know, I don't know arguably a drawback or whatever, they had the lack of uh, you know like twenty four frame video playback or whatever. It's it's not synced up at all. Oh, uh, one thing I was um, I was a little confused by. I was going to ask you this. See if you heard something different or, or what you what you thought. The infected once they get infected and they, they get all crazy rabid, they start foaming at the mouth. They need to feed on people, and like the the mayor of Toronto or something or the governor, he comes on and he's like, "Oh yeah, well after we lock them up, they they go into a coma and die." Is that because they haven't fed, or is that what just the, the virus just killed them off after a certain amount of time? Yeah, I would assume the uh, the life cycle or whatever of this thing is that quick. But well, again, well, then why why we don't know why that uh, we, we didn't talk about it. But when she goes back to the clinic, she also kills this uh, girl that's uh, relaxing in a hot tub. Uh, and it's like when she does finally attack her, it's kind of like a slow motion. It reminds me of Shivers, the, the pool scene where it's suddenly slowed down to the slow motion. But 
why does that girl die then? Because she doesn't feed, or, or is, you know, what, what kills her? Or does she just go into that coma? Oh, she drowns her in the uh, she she drowns her in the hot tub. Oh, I guess she never got never got to turn into a rabbit <laughs> zombie. Yeah, I guess if you kill them while they're turning, they're dead. I mean, because this isn't like you're an actual vampire. You're not immune to anything. You get shot with bullets, you're you're dead, just like a regular person. <laughs> so I think like when she bit her, like she had her face under the water, and they I think that's why they there was a moment where they slowed down the film and kind of did, and they tried to do like some slow mo there. Uh, after the fact, after they already shot it in normal speed. Um, yeah, yeah, it does have that look to it. I think that's why they were trying to hold on there to let you know, like, oh, hey, guys, she's dead. She's under the water. That's why she's in the fridge later, and she has to hide the body. I don't, I guess. I don't know. I'm making this up. The movie doesn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, we'll never know how she held up in that fridge. <laughs> Assuming because she's typhoid mayor, she's patient zero, Alan <laughs> Chambers never draws in the mouth and becomes zombified. You know, she never exhibits any of these symptoms that the uh, infected do. I guess they're trying to set it up at the end that if the boyfriend finds her, Mar- Marilyn Chambers at the end, um, I guess they can stop all this, come up with some cure for the already infected people because they have a vaccine at this point. So you can just vaccinate well, the rest of the world. Know. I mean, like, it seems like at first, you know, with, with the cops and stuff, and when they've got them in those paddy wagons, that they're just giving them the regular old rabies vaccine. Yeah, like you know, and those people still Some turn. Of those people still, yeah, right, right. Now, yeah, one of the uh, TV guys does say that, yeah, there's uh, we've developed a vaccine, but, you know, it, it's real, uh, don't let yourself be bit. You know, if you can get the vaccine in time, you know, you're, you're, you're good. But uh, if not, sorry, you're just going to get shot. <laughs> What the hell? That is the most government fucking answer of all time. I love that. Yeah, well, the British guy that um, you see on TV is, is supposed to be the director of WHO, you know, the World Health Organization. So, yeah, he does say, uh, we've now got a vaccine that we think will, will that we think will work in a preventative way. But for those who are already incubating, incubating the disease, as far as we know, there's no hope for them. Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, it works. I mean, well, I guess that's not true. Well, I was going to say the, okay, the friend and the guy, they get let go. But they yeah, don't yeah, ever yeah. really get bit either, so. No, no. Well, the guy, the one guy does eventually, the friend, uh, the older dude. Oh, Joe Silver. Uh, I forget what his character's name was. The, um, Joe Silver's Something the actor. Cypher, the old it's name. another weird Cronenberg uh, name. I don't know if there's any meaning to it. You know, a cipher. Kind of, but somebody's just kind of a nothing. But yeah, Joe Silver's Murray Cipher. That's another moment in the movie where the storytelling is really sloppy. He goes into his house. And the only time we've seen his house before this big horror moment, and the only person that we've seen family member-wise has been his living room with his little girl. Yeah. That's all we've seen, man. Of any interaction with anything else in his personal life, and when he's looking for his kid, it, it's just... I don't even know what the fuck he's looking at, dude. I guess... It, what is that? Is that supposed to be a changing table bath that's got blood all over it? I mean, for this in the Cronenberg, he says the baby's bath water. I don't know, some kind of a, but why would you, why, <laughs> why would a baby's bath thing have a lid on it? I mean, that's a, you know, why would you want to put an infant in oh, Let's put the lid on, let's soak in there, well, it'll be fine, you know. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. And then when the woman pops out of the closet, it's like, wait a minute, who the fuck is this? Oh, I guess that has yeah, to be you your don't wife. Yeah, context uh, for who that is, is that his wife, that's just some random, you know, rabid woman that's broken his house. Why are they hiding in the closet? You know, it's, just, it's just, I guess, just a generic shock moment. It's a good moment because it like it builds suspense well, but then when you get yeah, to the yeah. payoff. You don't know it's... what you're going to see. You know, obviously there's not the budget there, but you don't know if there's going to be a Larry Cohen type of uh, you know rabid infant crawling around <laughs> or what. It's going to 
fight this guy's deals or what? You know, what's going to happen here? But I mean, was the baby eaten or what happened to it? I mean, does, does, does the virus turn the, you know, infants rabbit too or what? You know? Yeah, I would assume the, the kid got eaten. I mean, okay. yeah. But they're not really carnivorous zombies. They're just, uh, you know, they're like, they're just bloodsuckers. I don't know. Yeah, I guess she just drained the baby. She just like slid it somewhere and drank all its blood. I don't know. Yeah, there's just blood everywhere sure. and you don't see the kid, yeah, yeah. which is weird. You'd think Cronenberg, you would. You'd see some fucked up shit like that. You'd see like yeah, a dead I know. Baby. I mean, the first one. Well, I mean, I, I I was kind of thinking that you would see something like that at least. <laughs> it's you know, Cronenberg movie. Hand of course. Real quick or whatever. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I mean, the the weirdness of the uh, Meryl Chambers uh, vampiric armpit penis thing that she has. Uh, that you know, the movie's really light on blood, and for having a, a porn star as your main actress. There's really not that much nudity. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I mean, <laughs> not a disappointment or the yeah, but there's surprising you know, no full frontal nudity. There's a couple of gratuitous topless uh, scenes. You know, she's, she's forever you know, uh, laying in bed topless or in her panties. And... But dude, there's only like like maybe four or five scenes where she's topless, and it's like, what? This is a porn star. Like, it's not that bad though. Far from crash, there, there really is not that much, uh, you know, nudity or. or uh... You know, explicit sex or anything in Cronenberg. There's weird, you know, there's weird sexual shit going on. But I mean, even Deborah Harry, really, you know, like uh, there was a joke on Family Guy where you know Peter Griffith is hanging out with James Woods and like we're gonna watch a movie, my Peter. It's called Videodrome. He's like, is there any nudity? He's like, yeah, you see my ass. <laughs> so I mean, even Deborah Harry didn't show anything in Videodrome, and that was a big, much like Marilyn Chambers, that was probably a big selling point to get people in theaters. That, you know, Blondie's Debbie Harry in her you know film debut. We should have done Videodrome, dude. We should have totally done Videodrome. <laughs> What were we thinking? We're we could have we, we, we like spun it, you know, it's like it's maybe not the end of his, the world per se, but like his world. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Make some shit up. Yeah, there's some kind of insidious uh, global takeover plot uh, going on. <laughs> That's true. There you go. If you pick this movie up on Blu-ray and get the Scream Factory copy, like the front of the box it's this new commissioned artwork, and let me tell you what, it's a bunch of crazy, rabid people, like, biting other people on the subway car, and you would <clears> think <throat> it, it's this, you know, this crazy scene on a subway car, and it's one old lady. Yeah. It's one <laughs> rabid old lady. Now, did you listen to, did you, you listen to Carter Burns <laughs> speaking during the scene, right? Well, you know, these people are packed, packed like sardines in a subway car. And he's like, and who among us hasn't, you know, just wanted to just bite a person in a situation like this? And he's like, look at that ear. That's an ear. It'd be right for biting. I was like, uh, you know, I've been in crowded situations like that. I've even had some mild panic attacks. But I never thought about cannibalizing the people around me, Cronenberg. Sorry, I can't go with you there. He said that says several times during the commentary. He, you know, like when the guy was beating the phone at the end, he's like, who hasn't wanted to smash a phone? That I have done. I was like, I've done that. It does feel good. <laughs> Dude, look, uh, Chris, let me just go ahead and tell you, man. Look, you never want to have a similarity with Cronenberg. <laughs> well, Unless it's IQ. Like, look, you know, no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm sure my IQ is nowhere near his. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think he's being, you know, rather tongue-in-cheek there. But uh, somebody has had, he has, like I so said, he has some ideas. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't really want to talk about uh, Mall Santa getting murdered by a, a cop with a machine gun. You know, that that's something you really have to see for yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it is... But it is Cronenberg, and even Santa eats it. And there is a uh, uh, Santa's helper chick with a ridiculously short <laughs> skirt. <laughs> <too>. <laughs> 
it's, it's bulletproof too. It seems like they shoot right in their direction. There's her, there's a little kid, there's Santa, but only Santa seems to take the front of Mall Santa is brought to you by Hooters. And I'm just all to remember when uh, the malls had that hideous brown brick in them like that. Oh, man. She uh, She's now in the city. She looks up this friend of hers, this female friend who hears multiple stories about this play but never suspects that her friend who's, like, under the weather the whole time, like, maybe she might have this thing that's going around, like... Hey, she just got out of the same clinic like, where there's like uh, I don't know, like these some kind of rabies k- killing people. What's going on? That they've even said on the news is like ground zero of this uh, plague. Hey, it can't be her. She's my friend. Look this at her. Friend, She's I fine. Mean, this, this friend is absurdly clueless. I mean, do you see her uh, choice in glasses? I mean, come on, man. <laughs> Those things were gigantic <laughs> and red framed. Like an old jerky voice kid. She's sitting. She's smoking, and she's watching television. We see a lot of the friend doing that and riding the subway. Guess the friend has a job. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, Marilyn Chambers shows up. We assume that they're longtime friends, and really she's, like, sick as a dog. And uh friend is very uh, uh, hovering around her, real concerned about her, and giving her warm compresses and suggesting uh, hot baths and whatnot. Girdle, run. You're going to get eaten. Run. The film historian guy, the commentator, talks about what an ineffectual hero the boyfriend is. Seemingly, I guess, is by design. You know, he... He misses her phone call. He misses her at the clinic. Uh, then he's stuck in quarantine. Then he's driving all over uh, Montreal through uh, martial law and, and zombies getting shot left and right. Well, I mean, is he supposed to be a hero? Like, what? what is he going to do? I think she, he's – I mean, he's not the protagonist. As far as I'm concerned, Rose is the protagonist. No, I mean, hold up, hold up, though. Like, I mean, what could he possibly do? Like, the best case scenario, she's going to be a guinea pig for the government. And then after the government's done with her and they have – their cure, they're going to fucking off her. Probably, or they're going to yeah. lock her up in a room like fucking Typhoid Mary. Like, she didn't have a great yeah. life. Like, what? No. Like, he's never going to be a hero in this movie. This, Yeah, I don't even know that he's really, you know, the, trying to get her to be the I think he's just, he's just his, you know, it's just his woman he's trying to reunite with. I don't really know that he has much more motivation than that. Oh, I mean, it's 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 kind of really hard to tell, man, because when he he walks in on... Rose eating her her girlfriend. I mean, he that's when he realizes it. And I I do kind of like the moment where he's like, "You're a fucking monster," you know, like you're not my girlfriend. And then she kind of flips it around on him, and she's like, "Well, you know, actually, this is your fault, asshole. If you hadn't fucking wrecked your motorcycle, none of this would have ever happened." Mm-hmm. He ends up getting pushed down the stairs. He has I don't know, man. He doesn't really have any time to react. Like she decides that she's going to go grab this dude and and do her test thing. And then when she calls him, he wakes up from the stairs and immediately goes to the dead girlfriend's apartment. Well, you hear, I, I realize on the uh, view, viewing, you do hear, faintly hear the phone ring when he wakes up uh, after having passed out. I know, you but hear the phone ring talk. why would you go there? And then second, when she's talking to him on the phone, right, she infects another guy. Uh, and she wants to see if this other guy is going to turn into one of these rabid people that are going around town and kill her. Right. Well, she just ate her girlfriend on the floor. That girl should be up and at him and be eating the boyfriend by now, but I guess that doesn't matter, so whatever. Yeah, but if, I don't know. For, uh, most, she, that girl seemed dead for whatever reason. You know, most of the other uh, most of the other victims were still alive when they were rioting around and, you know, kind of reacting when they are being dead, where that girl seems like she's well, either no, unconscious they or dead. Well, no, they all kind of blacked out, and they can't remember what happened to them. After right. when they get bit, that that always happens. That that's keeping within, that's keeping within or whatever. Yeah, the story so far. The friend just disappears though out of the fucking story. 
No, fair point. Fair point. I mean, I he they show he has a key to his apartment. You know, this is their their friend. You know, he so he here. I'm assuming she called that apartment phone, so he, that's why he's gone in there. But where it falls apart a little for me is she picks up this guy in the lobby. Now he's collecting his mail. He no longer lives there, so he's like, oh, I just moved out, but my mail's still getting sent here. And then she's like, oh, I'm a friend of Mindy so and so, whom I've already just killed, but I'm waiting to meet her in the lobby. She she stood me up for. What the hell room is that that they go to then? The dude shouldn't have a, you know, uh, still have a key to an apartment. She actually killed two people, you know, and she just left one guy's body in there. The other dude's in the hallway. I don't know, man. Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, this is what I'm saying. This end is, like, just so fucking sloppy. Like, I kind of like it because it's, it's Cronenberg trying to do what he did at the end of The Dead Zone and at the end of The Fly, you know, where your character falls apart in this tragic way and they turn into these monsters and it's really not their fault but th- this is not handled right man I yeah just... well I mean I guess you could kind of throw James Wood to there too but he's not really as likable yeah that's, yeah, that's, that's true his character's kind of sleazy and he offs himself too and I mean like I don't yeah but there's, uh, there's, uh, there's usually uh, almost always uh, you know a suicidal act uh, in almost all these you know this, this, this Rose experiment is suicidal um, Stephen Lack's character taking on um Daryl Revick is almost kind of suicidal. I mean, his body literally gets destroyed. It's whether his personality does is a question. Uh, James Woods is suicidal. Uh, Christopher Walken is suicidal to. Uh, to no, no, uh, no, 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 no. Christopher Walken is not suicidal. He doesn't want to die. Well, no, no, but he realizes that he's more like he's probably going to die in, the, in this attempt. Uh, yeah, because I if think, he doesn't kill, I don't, think he's, I don't think he's expecting to walk out of that uh, that situation. Yeah, but if he lets things go on, they he's going to die anyway. So. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's how he lives, though, man. And what I'm saying between those movies is they're, they're tragic monsters. You know, it's kind of like Frankenstein. Right, right, right. You know, yeah. I don't think James Woods oh, really yeah, falls I, into I, that. I, I like the whole scene of the, you know, the, the, the her on the phone and the, the guy slowly getting up and coming towards her. I mean, you know, you know, her acting is debatable as always uh, in that scene. But you know, I like the way it plays uh, out. But yeah, the setup is a little confused and, and uh, the emotional impact is just completely stunted, man. And then when the and then. Uh, fucking Christopher fucking Walken just goddamn stunt double over here Frank fucking Moore you, you, you think you're gonna like oh okay this guy's gonna fucking save it and he's like oh and he throws that phone down he doesn't save it he just hits that death nail into the movie and it's just like oh emotional punch non-existent it's not there it's fucking dead it's you, gone I mean, you, you think it's just in the writing or you think a better performer could have sold that scene or what the story elements I don't feel like they're put together right, man. You know? Like, I, it doesn't matter who the actors are. I don't... No, that's not true. I, better actors would have helped us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, better actors definitely would have... Like, if that would have been fucking Ed Harris that broke down right there, you would have been like, oh, man. This is a shitty movie, but fucking Ed Harris is really good. Yeah. I don't know. What, what doesn't well, work for you? Says, he is in agony as he hears the sounds of Rose being torn apart at the other end of the line, but is unable to take the receiver away from his ear. Unable to desert Rose in her final moments, he screams insanely into the phone, this time incoherently, trying to make it stop, trying to cover it up, but it doesn't stop. No, Rose. No. <laughs> you know, every time they kept saying her name, too, I just kept thinking of Kate Winslet from Titanic. I just want to throw that out there. Anyway. <laughs> My heart will go on, bro. That's all for me, but okay, yeah. But anyway, we come to your favorite scene. You do seem to enjoy this, this, this final, uh, final little scenario. Yeah, yeah. Outside of the music, no, that's great. All that stuff is awesome. 
Okay, so we cut to the next day. Another the movie's teleportation mysteries is how does she? She's inside this uh, high-rise building, high up in an apartment somewhere in the midst of it. Uh, how does she wind up in the street in an alley? You know, I mean, we do. You do see there's a, a wound in her neck. Well, you know she's been killed. Yeah, I know, but how in the hell does she wind up outside? Uh, you know, many stories below in this alley. Man, who knows, bro? <laughs> I mean, dude, like seriously, like. Like, dude, well, we, I, we get I, to I mean, the like, we get to the end of this fucking movie. Like, it, no, dude, look, I'll give I'll give the film that one. I'll just let let it pass, let it go, whatever. Sure, okay. Like, I don't want to see whatever stupid fucking story for that girl dying in the apartment and then somehow being brought out. Like, because you know what it probably was? It was probably <laughs> like some fucking I don't know, like somebody that was just going to do their laundry, and they're like, oh, you know what? <laughs> I'll take this corpse out to the street while I'm dumping out my trash. <laughs> it's a custodian. <laughs> well, I've been meaning to do that. I'll, I'll I'll take care of that, man, on my lunch break. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, the, the she might have the cure within her, uh, but she, she's just tossed, like, uh, last week's trash into the garbage compactor. And we freeze and hear some inappropriate music over the credits. I did like how she was, like, stiff as a board when they... Uh, the trash guys or whatever the hazmat guys come and pick her up. Oh yeah, they throw her like uh, she is like yeah, she's like she got... to the hell out of being dead. <laughs> Best brick and mortis set in dead body I have seen on screen in for fucking ever. Um, we have the rating here, man. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I seriously do have four. I mean, it. Uh... Well, uh, we we usually do uh, one one out of ten here. I don't want to be uncharitable. I mean, uh, you know, but uh, six would be re- being really generous. I don't. I mean, I wow, six. I, I, yeah, I'm saying six would be super generous. I mean, I, I but I really would have hard pressed to go beyond five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think a five. I was going to go five. That's where I'm going. Yeah, I mean, if it, going by the traditional, you know, I, I, the four star, I would give it like two. Yeah, I, it, it's worth watching if you're a Cronenberg fan. If you like, yeah, and it is it is hard. only ninety minutes, too. It's it's kind of it's it's fairly a quick watch. Yeah, I don't know. It seems long though, man. Eh. That middle section's rough. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't. It seemed it seemed longer when I the very first time I watched. It, I was surprised that it was only ninety minutes because it did seem longer. But then <laughs> when I you know Clockwork Orange style watched it over and over, <laughs> it seemed to get shorter to me. Uh, <laughs> the more I watched it, but. Uh, just watch the movie four so, yeah. times within a week. Grab yourself and, a chair and watch it uh, five to ten times in a row, folks. It's going to seem quicker every time. <laughs> the torch is easier to bear with repeat sittings. So uh, anyway, uh, you know, it's escalating body horror. It, it repeats some of the themes of Shivers. You know, where, where do you see it overall, I guess, in his uh, body of work? Oh, where do I see it? Uh, I, I think this is the bottom of the barrel uh, Cronenberg here, right, dude? You know, I I do not think this is very good. I, yeah, I I think I'd put it down there with like some. I'm I'm trying to think of bad Cronenberg movies, but like the only one that I can think of that I dislike more than this is like Fast Company. Cosmopolis is pretty bad as well. That's a tough sit through. But I mean, if you're into this kind of thing, you like body horror. I mean, this is a great place to start. I mean, this is a great place to see uh, Cronenberg's beginnings. You know? Yeah. I, I just don't know like. Outside of that stuff, like what else is here for an audience? Um, I don't know, man. It's got some interesting ideas in it. 
I don't know if it's got enough interesting ideas to recommend somebody sit down for an hour and a half and watch it, unless it's your bag. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have to be kind of a fan, I guess, to seek this one out. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I suppose, uh, you know, (laughs) people that are into vintage porn or whatever might always stumble upon it. uh, (laughs) But they're going to be disappointed in that that respect. I I don't know. Um, I mean, it's it's, it's been so many years since I've seen Shivers. I mean, is that one more awkward or more, you know, clunky as far as the filmmaking or directing style than this? Or are they about the same? Well, the thing I remember about – now, I, okay, I, uh, again, I'm going to preface this with saying I haven't seen Shivers since – well, you know, I guess it's been about four years now. I saw it when that when that first came on uh, Shudder streaming. I remember that having a little bit more of a satirical take, just having fun of some of the uh, generational gaps that were kind of happening in the, in, the, in the 70s between baby boomers and, and hippies. You know, you're still getting some of that conservative versus, you know, free thinking and free love, man. So I, I kind of like that a little bit more. And the gore and the – it feels more like an exploitation movie. And watching Rabbit now, it seems very tame. And when you tell people, it's like, hey, this has got, a, this has got one, of, one of those famous porn actresses in it. It really just does not live up to anything, really. And, but it is fun, though, to watch – I've, I've, I feel like I'm uh, monopolizing this this conversation here. No, I'm just saying I, I I don't know. It certainly doesn't hold up upon repeated viewings, especially like in a short span of time. But uh, just as a uh, hypothetical, I mean, what would, can you imagine Sissy Spacek in this, or how do you think it would have been? Oh yeah, because she was originally supposed to be uh, in the uh, in the ro- the Rose. Yeah, role. I, mean, I think almost then it seems like he wrote it with her in mind. Man, and there is even a, a shot of the uh, uh, Carrie poster in the movie. Yeah, which is unusual because he's not usually one, you know, for Joe Dante uh, style, uh, you know, in jokes like that. Well, you know, he's shown up in in other horror movies himself. He's in Jason X, and he's got a really right, good right. role I mean, in Nightbreed. Usually, he doesn't usually have all these sight gags, or even like you know, like Rob Zombie and stuff. Always has like all the horror movies playing on the TV and all this pop culture stuff. I think it was Sissy Spacek in the role. It would have been such a different film. I definitely think there would be a lot less nudity. I mean, there. There'd probably only be like one or two nude scenes in the entire film, versus the four to five that there are now. Yeah, I'm not, not that's. I'm not saying that that Spacek was above, you know, showing a little skin. We've all seen uh, the opening scene of Carrie. You know, hey, yeah, plug it up, like, bro. Watch that Gene Hackman thing too. Uh, that she was in early seventies. Man, the only thing I can think of early seventies was her, uh, Badlands, Carrie, um, Coal Miner's Daughter. Prime no, Cut. Was I think it's all there. Prime Cut or Prime Cut? I haven't seen that. Not familiar uh, okay. with that one. Yeah, she was, uh, she was pretty naked in that. But in any case, um, I think she would have been more sympathetic character. I, I think she would have definitely, you would have, have a clearer sense of whether she's in control of these killings or not. And I think you'd feel more, probably feel more sorry for her. Yeah. But like I said, I, I think, uh, I don't know, I mean, I'm not words is not the word but i mean it's like cronenberg i think he thinks science is kind of inherently harmless or whatever it's just what we do with it or you know that causes a problem the fact that he puts it's, it's plastic surgery so you have this like a elective surgery or the uh, you get you're getting put under the knife uh, just for cosmetic reasons so is that inherently evil just because you know you know but what i mean i mean like i say if, if anything that's where any mild satire in the movie lies i think is is, is maybe he is taking a jab no pun intended at that you know with the colonel sanders comment and 
the girl with the nose job and stuff. Yeah, but it just it seems like he really goes out of his way to put it at a, at a plastic surgery uh, clinic. And well, I guess he had, you know... <laughs> for no reason, really. He, I mean, he didn't patent it or write a paper, but I guess he had had this vague, uh, you know, stem cell-esque notion, so he claims, you know, way back then, and, and was maybe just looking for an excuse to use it in, you know, fictional form. And so he hit upon the idea of this plastic surgery clinic. Uh, I guess. I don't know. But like I said, it, it almost it, it seems like two or three different ideas, you know, grafted onto one another. Like I said, you have the vampire vampire thing. Like I said, I can deal with this this uh, these cells mutating into this this thing in her armpit, but then that it spreads the disease. So it's like he had to graft, you know, a shivers type of spreading plague thing on top of that, on top of uh, this, and you know, having the plastic surgery element. And I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot of stuff in the mix here. I think that's why people have a problem with like, is this a zombie film? Is this is is, is this a vampire film? I don't know. I don't know which one to pick. Which one? Because uh, it's really fucking both. It follows the tropes of a vampire film and a fucking and zombie film. You know, they're both there. Well, he says you know he had no desire to make a traditional uh, you know, hammer esque uh, vampire film. Yeah, well, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think Cronenberg really could make anything. You know, I, I haven't seen that. Um, uh, what's it called? A dangerous method. That's okay. that's his period piece. I haven't seen that. You know, like I. Yeah, I've not seen any either. Yeah, because I I can't imagine Cronenberg doing something with like capes or anything set outside of like the twentieth or the twenty first century. You know, he 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 seems like he's so modern. And he's his all of his sensibilities yeah, yeah, he's are kind modern. Of a forward thinking guy. Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like that would be right for him. Or maybe that's just me putting him in a box. Fuck well, me. I mean, what he, he, I mean, he claims a lot of credit. I noticed that commentary for bringing, you know, horror into the 20th century, into modern times. You know, he, he was kind of talking like, well, all the movies back then were period pieces. I mean, but again, the Romero stuff was always said in, you know, then modern times. Even Martin and, and the Crazies and Night of the Living Dead and all that, which are, you know, contemporaneous with this. Yeah, that's true. You know, Last Husband Left was, was, was in the present day. And, you know, well, I mean, I don't know, maybe he was talking about Canadian, Canada-wise. I, I don't know. I, I felt like... I could think of a lot of examples <laughs> against what he was saying there. Uh, you know, I, you can uh, you can credit uh, David Cronenberg for really helping uh, <laughs> the Canadian film industry. I mean, like shit, he oh, helped put him on the map. Yeah, and I, you know, I think now they acknowledge that, but at the time they were very resistant to him. Well, I, I think they would rather go like, "Oh, hey, it was Ivan Reitman, dude." You know, which he's not even fucking Canadian. He just moved there, right? He wasn't born yeah, in fucking yeah. Canadian. Right? He's, he's an American. Born somewhere in Eastern Europe. I was actually just looking him up earlier. Uh, what? Are you serious? Started. He's not even fucking American. Yeah. He's European. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I mean, um, let me see here. He's a European that went to Canada. He's a Slovak Canadian film producer and director. He was born in Slovakia. Man, that's insane. Look at that. Yeah, so I don't know if we, <laughs> I don't know if we really talked about yeah, this film was produced by the producer of Ghostbusters and Meatballs and Stripes and whatnot. Animal House. That's right. Dude, it blows my mind that Animal House was the next year for him. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did look this up, too, because I was, I was interested. Because I, I saw the budget was, uh, was $50,000. They said five hundred. dollars No, $500,000. I'm sorry. It's, it's half a million. Sorry. In today's money, that would be uh, $2 million. Canadian dollars would be one point five. From that budget... Of half a million dollars, it actually made in its first year of release in the United States and Canada. I think it was all of North America, actually. It made $7 million. So that is a pretty big hit. Yeah. Like, even if they only get, let's say they get half of it, that's $3 million for your half a million dollar investment. 
And like, what, I think I was reading. No, I wasn't reading that. It was on the uh, it was on the audio commentary because David Cronenberg was complaining about some fucking film critic that came out and was uh, a bashing bashing rabid for being yeah, like this is. Oh, was it Shivers? It was some guy that he thought would be sympathetic or whatever that he invited to see Shivers, and then the guy, like, totally ripped it apart. Yeah, and he was just like, this is, uh, hey, Canada, this is what your taxpayer dollars paid for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or some well, I was going like even, even if it did make that $7 million, I don't, or 3 or whatever, you know, I don't even think, well, probably a lot of that money went back to that film development corporation or, you know, that tax situation. I don't, wouldn't think that Reitman and certainly Cronenberg probably didn't even see that much off of this, I would think. Well, I made some money, though. I mean... Yeah, yeah, I mean, they, but they, you know, of course, they always say Scanners was the breakout hit we talked about last time. Well, I mean, that made some real money. I mean, that made into the 20 millions, you know. Yeah, well, seven million dollars is like at, nothing. At the time, and, and, you know, Corman, you know, in America with the New World, and I guess that Frozen Chick poster <laughs> was a magic combination. I don't know. <laughs> uh, there you go. You got anything else, man? I mean, he has a cameo as a corpse uh, in one scene. I, did, I never realized that to listen to his commentary. Did you know that was there? Yeah, but he, he he didn't seem like he was sure that that was him, though. No, it, I pause it. It's definitely him. Oh, it is definitely him? All right. Yeah, it's, it's very Lifeboat-esque. You know, he's got this upside-down corpse with the glasses, the parted hair. It's got to be him. I think that's me. I think <laughs> the I guy played Michael a dead body there. The the original Halloween with the glasses. It's either him or Cronenberg. It's one of those two guys. <laughs> but, um... One thing I noticed is you can see a cameraman in the back seat of the station wagon where it's clearly the walk-in boyfriend supposed to be driving by himself. When he gets stopped and that zombie goes across the windshield and then he gets shot and the guy spray off the windshield. And clear as day, see a dude holding like a 35 millimeter camera in the back seat. I, I don't know uh, what happened there. I guess they were, they had two cameras and they only had time for like a take or two. I yeah, yeah, I mean, he's definitely getting. He's definitely whoever the guy that got the coverage of the guy spread across the windshield, you know, through the you know the guy from the backseat getting. But it's funny because, like I said, just you know, the scene before that, he goes through a light or whatever, you can plainly see he's supposed to be in the car by himself, and then there's no one in the backseat, and also there's this you know, plain as day passenger back there. You know, one other odd thing I noticed is in the, that final apartment scene uh, before the guy uh, bites her and he's you know stepping up on the couch you can see the sculpture of a head it's like a split open head it's, it's very reminiscent of the sculptures you see in scanners oh uh that robert silverman uh that, that made in his uh crazy ass warehouse right yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah yeah i know what you're talking about i know what you're talking about. yeah yeah good call i didn't i didn't put that together <laughs> what I, were they were they in vogue in the time up in canada i don't know or is it something cronenberg collects or but he makes himself or what? I don't He's know. like, look, dude, I got stereos over here, and I got motorcycles, and then I got fucking giant fucking heads. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> how about that, um, hey? And then, you know, the, the, we, I don't know how much we, we talked about how a lot of information is related to these news broadcasts and the director of the World Health Organization all, but... Uh, I don't know, I feel, it's, if, you know, since it's the World Health Organization, he shows it with his British accent, I get the feeling there's indication that this is a global or worldwide situation. I don't know if at, at the end I, I'm not 100 percent sure what the end fucking shot means, dude. Is that humanity is lost? We're gonna go into like Mad Max fucking times, you know? Like all these crazy people are gonna be running around. They're gonna be crazy. They're gonna be rabid. They're gonna be foaming at the mouth. They're gonna be eating everyone. And or is it that they're going to be? We got this under control. We're containing it. This is like you know the last of the debris, or you know. It, it, yeah, it and it's a shame that like this girl who didn't have a choice in any matter whatsoever, and now she's in the garbage. And yeah, I mean, I don't know what does that say about humanity. So I, I'm not 100 percent sure what that means. 
I may change my rating to a 5.5 just for that. Okay, yeah. Just well, that. I mean, I think he talks about this in the commentary, but from what I gather, you know, Cronenberg thinks uh, the natural state of things is, is chaos. You know, the civilization is only this thin veneer kind of game that we're playing with ourselves. Yeah, Cronenberg's got some crazy theories, you know. I, I, whatever. You know, <laughs> that he does. If you're an artist, I think you, you need to have those, to have these crazy ideas, these crazy messages and statements that you're trying to put in that, like, we were watching this and we are like, you know... I, does this mean something or is this just bullshit? You're just doing something for exploitation and to show tits and some gore. I don't know. With Cronenberg, I like to think it's it's more than just tits and gore. You know, there's he's yeah. saying something there. Well, I mean, he pointed out the, the one shot where she gets up and is changing. He points out that it is totally gratuitous and it's just in there because it's Marilyn Chambers. Well, you, you know, know maybe he, Cronenberg does have a good sense of humor, too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and he was definitely trying to play the games, you know, the exploitation game as best he could. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember if it was it was a documentary or the commentary, but I, I died laughing when he said something along the lines of, "He's like, well, you know, I got a porn actress. I'm not gonna deny my audience uh, the flesh that they seek." No, yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh my god, it's like. This guy wanted to be a scientist. He's fucking brilliant. He's got a great IQ. Uh, yep, those are the statements that come out of his mouth. Okay, I mean, perspective. Yeah. Well, who knows? I mean, maybe this is always just an elaborate joke he's playing on us, or that we're taking. You know, people are like us are taking his shit this seriously. You know what? I did like the fucking logo for that. Uh, the Kelloid Clinic. It's got the K and the C and how the the K kind of like the and how they had it embroidered on the bathrobes. Dude, stuff. it was yeah, it was all over the place. It was everything. It was even on the fucking ambulance, or yeah, at well, least inside of his evil uh, evil corporation, you know, Consac and Kelloid Clinic, and, uh, Psychoplasmics or whatever that called. <laughs> joint is called. What's the uh, what's the thing in Oculus or whatever the hell the thing is in Videodrome? In Videodrome. Oh, I yeah, forget what that thing. Uh, it's not Oculus, but I remember it. The that headset Optica thing. I forget what it's called. Yeah, well, we, we go where's the place he goes in, and there's these different like eyeglass things on display. And I guess that's when he does go back and try on that headset. Your turn, sir. Where do you put this in the Cronenberg filmography? I don't know. I can say it's a, it's a stepping stone. It's not. I would uh, definitely recommend. You know, scanners or, some, or something else, the Dead Zone or something else. You know, if someone had never seen one of his films. Certainly not this. You know, I, I would say this is more if you really want to dig deep and explore his earlier uh, roots. I mean, it's definitely body horror. It's, it's definitely got a, his his pet themes on display. Where where are you ranking this though? Is this this is, is this like a top? Is this a bottom? Is this mm, in the middle? I, I don't I don't know. I mean, you you were almost implying it was the very bottom of the barrel. You think it is? I, I'm gonna say the very the bottom of the barrel, but it's. You know, it's, it's one of his worst five fucking films, dude. I mean, like... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I said, I, I, you know, even though it's early, I remember that Shivers being better. And like I, I, say, I would even put that in the bottom five. Shivers, okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, he just... Well, I, <laughs> stereo's got to be the absolute the bottom. I don't even count stereo. Wait, we're not counting stereo, right? Okay, we're crimes of the future. Yeah, those are like, what? They're not even... I don't even think they're Academy uh, qualifying film length. Feature length, I mean, mm-hmm. aren't they like uh, sixty like, minutes? They're more or less like they're more or less extended zoom films, I guess. Because what do you you got to be uh, seventy seventy five minutes to qualify guess, as a feature yeah. film? Feature film, I guess. I mean, back in the forties, some of these only sixty or sixty five minutes. Yeah, you know, they'll go see in the Return of the Ape Man or whatever. 
but those what I call the monogram pictures. Or, but yeah, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely like I said. If, if you're interested in him, it's something to, to seek out, but not you know would, right away. I would say watch the Brood first, watch Scanners, watch Videodrome, watch uh, the Fly. Definitely over this. That's rabid, folks. One minute, they're perfectly normal. The next, rabid. All right, guys, you've been listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. You guys want to get in touch with us, you can do so by sending us an email to themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's the Movie Crew. Crew spelled C-R-E-W-E. That's right, extra E at the end of the word crew at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Movie Crew Pod. And you guys can subscribe and follow us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And Chris, you have some books. Where can people find those? I have uh, two that are available on Amazon. One is uh, called The Forest J. Ackerman Oeuvre. The other is called Lovecraftian Voyages. And those are both on Amazon? Yes. All right, guys. We'll put the links to those in the show notes. You can read those. Chris is amazing, as I'm sure you know from listening. And, uh... Guys, we're going to close the show like we do every single night with a little bit of the amazing score, which most of this was repurposed. But we're going to be playing Benny Hanna from Marilyn Chambers. <laughs> That's right. Enjoy this, Jim. And uh, make sure you look out for those uh, those humping sex noises there. I don't even know what she's doing. <laughs> Acting. Yeah.